My name is Evan White, and you're listening to the Stories on Stage Davis podcast. While we're lining up some impressive headliners for the tail end of our eighth season, we've had a string of outstanding stories by emerging writers lately. This week's episode is no exception. Remains, by Lauren Huang Finkelman, is the kind of story we love finding, something new and powerful and in a voice that's not quite like any we've heard before. Reading her story is Danica Sudik, who holds an MFA in Dramatic Arts from UC Davis and is making a welcome debut with our series. Stay tuned after the reading to hear Lauren Huang Finkelman on the inspiration behind her story. But first, here's Danica Sudik reading Remains. Remains by Lauren Wong Finkelman The last time there were tadpoles in Griffith Park, I was six. I found them in the middle of March, wriggling in a puddle I thought was a pond. For months, El Nino had rinsed Los Angeles, perfumed it with rain smell. The phrase seasonal depression left and entered people's mouths. Hollywood vacated. Everyone got free car washes. In the park, the rain swelled the drainage ditches, carried away the smell of sewage. Frogs rehydrated, and immediately there were babies. Squirming black commas burrowing into gray muck. I plucked them from their puddle. I caught 16. For two days, they turned my water bottle into a lava lamp, and then they died. I found 16 bottle caps and held a group wake in our backyard. Mama attended, and Ben helped me poke little holes in the ground, drop their bodies like seeds, then cover them up. Ben held my hand at the funeral, and later, he held me at night. That's how things were when I was a child. I wandered around looking for funerals. There were soggy bees I'd collect from bird baths or worms fried on our driveway. There was the chicken I brought home from the butchers, then our subsequent dog, a pair of betta fish. I buried whatever I could. Dead house plants, ribs from a barbecue, a lock of my own hair. As I grew older, I discovered the mounds of fat that undulated my body, undulated the bodies of others. From 13 to 18, I passed myself around like the secret in telephone. It was a fast time, a time of use and consumption, and it was then that I began to dislike Ben. Slowly at first, then all at once. There was the obvious— the smell of fermenting urine sitting in his toilet, feel of his cowhide hands. Then there was baby Ben holding my waist, begging for a massage. Ben sneaking into my room to cuddle. Ben paying me 50 bucks so he could lie groin to groin. I've known Ben since I was five. I met him here in Griffith Park. Mama said I was meeting her good friend, but by the time I met him... They had set a date for a courthouse wedding. Ben was on the shorter side of average. He was compact and hairy. He was just like an old P.E. coach, the kind that are hard on boys but soft on girls. 
The day I met him, he carried me around on his shoulders. He told me all about Griffith Park, General Griffith's statue, the best horse on the summer carousel, the tadpoles we would catch next spring. Ben and I caught tadpoles, and then we never saw any ever again. It's been 15 years since El Nino, and no one remembers how to drive in the rain. Griffith Park is dry and dusty, and the drainage ditches smell like sewage. The tadpole pool is now a dip in the land that trips hikers and tourists. I'm walking past Griffith Park when Ben calls me. I'm carrying a load of groceries that knock into my legs, laden my arms as I raise my phone to my ear. Ben asks what he's asked a thousand times. Where are you and when are you coming home? The solicitous tone usually cupping the question is gone. There is a menaced quality in his voice that reminds me of a cornered cat. Ever since I announced that I was leaving, Ben has been hostile. He takes his meals in his room. He predicts the various ways I could die on the road. Sex trafficking in America is alive and well, he says. There are thugs, pimps, not to mention drunk drivers. People are nasty out there. I would know. I'm from Brooklyn. This is a Mecca, I've told Ben over and over. A pilgrimage to the Atlantic Ocean. The week before announcing my drive, I read about an early storm watch on the eastern seaboard. I thought about it and decided that it was now or never. Tropical Storm Bertha could blow boardwalks to smithereens. I emphasized visceral need, patriotic compulsion. Ben said that was the stupidest shit he's ever heard. He swore not to help with gas. I rub his back and cook him breakfast. He's stubbornly sardonic. Ben insists on referring to my drive as my grand adventure. He says it coyly, like, Don't expect clean rest stops on your grand adventure. He pushes for the other oceans, the Indian, the Arctic. He goes through the seven oceans, then flops to any water formation. Scoresby Sund, Pukomayo River, Babal Mandab Strait. What about the estuary of St. Lawrence, he said the other day. Thirteen species of cetaceans are found there from May to October. I've heard the Atlantic has bathwater instead of ocean, so warm it's not refreshing at all. When I get home, I know Ben is where I left him. In bed, in boxers, parked in front of the TV. All day, Ben watches old detective shows or old westerns. Now it's Bonanza, later Kojak. I put the groceries in the fridge and put packaged sushi on the counter. Lunch, I call. I walk upstairs into his bedroom and stand in front of Lauren Green. Ben won't look me in the eyes. There's an oppressed glaze over his face and a mopey frown. I know Ben likes to be heartsick after he is bad. Lunch, I say. Just go away. Leave like your mom. Tears spangle his eyes as he sits on his bed, like a bear on its butt. For all the woolly hair he has, it does little to hide the fruiting bodies of old age. Skin cancer? Nail fungus? Cherry angioma? Frozen moles that scab and swing open like trap doors. Bumps on his scalp I've felt while massaging him. 
There's sushi. I got the kind you like from Gelson's. I'm not hungry, Ben says peevishly. He shoots me a superior glance, then returns to the television. Moments like this, I curse his mom. All moms. Everywhere. You're acting out, I say. Then, there's dandruff all over your shoulders. I walk out of his room and down to the kitchen. I start my California rolls. Illuminated by the glow of television, hunched over and scooped out, he looks like a stump for fungus to attach to. Ben, lord of the bedchamber. I'm sure once I leave, mushrooms will start to angle out like limbs. Turkey tail, coral tooth, lion's mane, witch's butter. Mushrooms with long scientific names and flagrant poisonous colors. Ben will be a fantastic host. His guests will swell, cry in gratifying gratitude, shudder, shoot. Trillions of spores will dance around him like pixie dust. All the growths on Ben look so much like decay. I don't think he feels 74 at all. Ben is an old body filled with young desire. He wants so badly to touch me. A hand around my waist when we watch a movie, and another hand on my thigh when we read. Ben invites me to sleep in his bed, asks to cuddle in mine. The summer before I left for college felt like we were both teenagers. That summer was scorching, and I was dead tired, dead bored. I was out of high school and done sneaking, spreading. I languished, lying around. I watched a lot of porn. I watched a lot of degrading shit. It was like I was a little boy. I wake up and go to bed with my fingers curled like an ice cream scoop inside myself. At some point, I started getting creative. I shoved every tenable object inside. I masturbated to an ad with a hairbrush. I got off on a plum while writing a pool noodle. One night after a prolonged session, I got up to use the bathroom. I opened my door and saw Ben standing in front of me completely naked. I was naked myself, and when I realized this, I screamed. I moved to close the door, but Ben came in and covered my mouth with his hands. Shh, he said. You'll wake your mama. This was before mama left, but after she started sleeping downstairs... Ben's hands were warm. He leaned close. I could feel the grizzle that covered his body tickle my chest. I heard some noise. He said, releasing. Wanted to check that everything was kosher. He patted my shoulder. Good night, he said, and then left. After that, I started wrapping a towel around myself before making bathroom trips at night. Often there'd be a light on in Ben's room down the hall his door wide open. I stab my sushi. The roll is crap, all mayo and brown avocado. I eat another piece, and then out of nowhere, I feel guilty. Lonely, unlovable Ben. When I left for college, he became depressed. Mama and Ben were fighting, and Ben started to flirt with suicide. He threatened he'd kill himself, which was a mistake. (laughs) I think he thought he'd startle her into staying around, but no. Mama hates vagary, and no, Mama won't be strong-armed. 
When things deteriorated, I was still in my first semester at college. Mama called me at the dorm. She said, I've transferred $600 into your account. I'm leaving the cat with your Aunt Gabby. The night she called, I was zonked, higher than a monkey in a tree. <laughs> I said, um, that sounds great. Mama flew standby the next day. She's been in Amsterdam for three years now. She eats lots of sour yogurt and open-faced sandwiches. She rides the canal on a folding bike her neighbor breaks down. Mama insists on gesticulating her way around the city. I think she's retired. She sends postcards. Little blue porcelain keychains. In the evening, I start packing. I grab underwear and granola bars by the handfuls. I stuff shirts and shoes and sweatpants into a duffel bag. As I fill my bag, a small kernel of panic swells inside me. I have no place to stay, no plan, and not a lot of money. I've done more sitting in cars than driving. In high school, I couldn't stand it, couldn't bear to feel the folds of my stomach as I hung over the wheel. There's nothing like traffic in the City of Angels. Behind 300 car butts, I'd start to think of my grandmother. The inheritance of flab. How if I stopped holding and pissed myself, I'd be admitting to premature incontinence. Listening to more Billie Eilish, bobbing to dodge this glare of the sun, cooking the world with my exhaust pipe. The car as a casket. I'd start to feel stick of my thighs on the lip of my seat and go crazy. I imagine days of driving, pulling over, crawling into the back seat, sleeping, crawling into the front seat, driving. That's what I'll tell Ben when he calls. This drive requires discipline, all the mental attachments of athleticism. Maybe after all the driving, I'll drop dead like the guy who ran the first marathon. I imagine zooming through the desert, racing no one. I imagine the little towns that pop out of nowhere... A stop sign materializes, and suddenly, I'm rolling through a gentle parabola of antique shops, church steeples, brick saloons, tired courthouse steps. Down the hall in Ben's room, I hear guns going off, the sound of wailing fists. The rifleman. The next morning, Ben refuses to see me. I've only been home for a few weeks. Summer is still an idea. And already I'm leaving. I scramble some eggs and leave it for him on the counter. I'm pulling out the driveway when Ben runs out in boxers, throwing his arms around, shouting, The Pacific Ocean is only an hour away! Ben calls a couple hours into my drive. He asks neutered questions, questions about my mileage, the price of gas. Anywhere's cheaper than California, I say. I'm in Nevada. Land of silver, sex, and casinos. Nevada's a good time, but it's not for me. Ben pauses. How about a game? I used to play this with my dad on long drives. It's like I spy. I'll start. Colombo. We stay on the line in silence. It's true, there's nothing in Nevada. The landscape repeats itself. Big rig, I say. Power lines, cattle, rest area, diagonal, arrow. It's true, I could say vastness. Sky stretched so far, it wears sheer 
at each horizon. I could say, wind-whipped bonsai biting into cliff sides, or impossible water. Relief so joyful it catches in my throat and sends spittle jumping like dolphins to join the impossible water. Ben taps in. Kojak. Samuel Adams. Then smugly. Smith and Wesson M&P. He is an old man bragging. I am as deadly as a young man. After a while, we give up. The game is dumb. Ben's brain makes a shifting sound. He asks me when I am coming home. I drive out of the mountains and watch a cloud the size of a small town drift across the rangeland. Farther away, it's raining. In the distance, the clouds reach their gray fingers into the land. Rain, I say. And then, August, maybe? In Utah, the landscape matures. The mountains take on a bright, embarrassed color. From Nevada to Utah, I've seen an amazing amount of roadkill. A cow the color of an Oreo cookie split open by the side of the road. Mashed squirrels, skunks, and possums. Bits of mammal left hopelessly in lane like scraps of dough to be rolled over and over. A surprising number of armadillos. In the afternoon, Ben calls. We play a couple rounds of I Spy. Bugs, I say. There is a steady explosion of bugs on my windshield, using up all my washer fluid. Their shattering bodies sound like sprinkles of sand. I watch butterflies cross and collide in front of me. I, the new trucker, lashing butterflies on my grill. McLeod, maybe you can find a cowboy amidst the morons. <laughs> I mean, Mormons. Ben pauses. I want you to know if you ever change your mind, you can always come home. He pauses again. I was thinking about getting a dog. After college, you could come home, save money. There'd be the dog, and... I've always liked Rottweilers. Tough guys. What do you think of a puppy? I think about my cat. The one living with my aunt. Ben got it for me when I was 12. He woke me up one morning and said he had a proposition. He said if I held my breath for 90 seconds, I could have one. I wanted a cat more than anything. I allowed Ben to climb on top of me. He said he had to lie on me so he could tell if I was breathing or not. Ben was shirtless. The hairs on his chest rubbed my face. Through my blanket, I felt the lump of his groin. His crotch felt laden. Ben stared at his watch the whole time. He kept shifting his weight. <laughs> I breathed through my mouth, and when Ben got off me, he said congratulations. He was very impressed. Mama called us down for breakfast, and I ran to tell her the good news. What do you think of a puppy? Ben repeats. I like puppies. On the road ahead, I watch the asphalt shimmer. It's so bright, it's hard to see. I start to drift, and then I go over the rumble strips. I tell Ben I'll have to call him back. I pull off the road and get out. Suddenly, I feel sick. I think of Ben walking in on me in the shower. Ben showing me how to wrestle. His balls peeking out like crabs. His wet goodnight kisses. His slinky, sticky hands. I squat down behind the car and scream. 
On the ground there is a broken bottle, glinting pieces of trash. Hi, this is Lauren Pong Finkelman, and you just listened to my story, Remains. Writing Remains felt like throwing up. It was extremely cathartic. When I started writing the story, I had just returned from a road trip from California to New York. I was interested in ideas about the West, the idealization of it. I wanted to understand how beautiful places and bad experiences can be defined by mythologies, things that distort, and yet, when compiled, the fictions that color a place or experience can add up to create a true picture, a more complete understanding. I think generally I'm interested in how competing characteristics form a single identity. For example, in my story, Ben is baby, lord, host, loved and unloved. Conversely, the West is Chuck Connors, empty, full, cleansing, romantic, and just as death-riddled as the place the narrator tries to escape from. Thank you for listening to Me and My Story Remains. You've just heard Remains by Lauren Huang Finkelman. If you've enjoyed listening, consider sharing this episode with a friend. And if you really enjoyed it, please consider making a donation of any amount to help us keep sharing stories like these. Stories on Stage Davis and the Yolo County Library are presenting a virtual event on Saturday, April 24th with special headliner Reina Grande, author of the acclaimed best-selling memoir, The Distance Between Us. The event will feature a special conversation with Grande and also a writing contest open to current high school students. You can find out more about the event on our website. The Stories on Stage Davis podcast is a sponsored project of YOLO Arts, a nonprofit arts organization, and supported in part by a grant from the City of Davis Arts and Cultural Affairs Program. Find upcoming episodes, view our archive of past episodes, and help support our series at storiesonstagedavis.com. Mm-hmm.